Welcome to the creek. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Pastor Matt. This is your first time. We're so glad you're here. If you'll fill out one of those guest cards, we don't do anything weird. We just get some information to you. And that starts a, uh, a dialogue and a process to help you get connected into the life of a church. Uh, for our church family, I'm glad to see you. I love y'all. I love spending each Sunday with you. And um, I want to share a couple things before we get into the teaching. Um, those of you who remember Easter weekend, we just felt compelled that uh, God had led us to take all of the weekends, tithes, and offerings from Easter weekend and um, give that away for the tornado relief. And um, this week we got some communication back from the church that uh, you guys helped. And I want to just say this, uh, thank you for your generosity and being willing to let uh, let God be God of your finances. Thank you for trusting the tree, uh, the creek as a place to sow those finances. Uh, for Easter, we've just felt compelled that God was calling us to, to give that for the relief efforts and um, connected us with a church in Forney called Community Life or Sea Life. And uh, we sent them a check. And by, just so you know, because some of you might be curious, but that was $4,755.80 uh, that you guys uh, gave that weekend. And we said, uh, God, we trust you f- for money, and uh, we're going to give that away. So thank you for that. I want to share with you the letter we received uh, from Sea Life. So bear with me. I got a little, uh, had something in my throat in the first service. So yeah, that's what it was. Um, says this, Dear Creek, I just wanted to contact you and tell you how grateful we are for you and your church's generosity towards the tornado relief effort. I thought you might want to know what your church's donation went towards in case you wanted to share with your folks what part you guys played in this story. Your church's donation ended up, uh, enabled us to help three different families with their recovery efforts. One family you guys helped was an elderly couple who have since visited our church Uh, who will now be able to have their home, which was unlivable, be rebuilt. The second family was a single mother of one who could not afford her deductible. And the third family you were helping pay for somewhere for them to live while their home is being repaired. Their homeowner's policy didn't pay for displacement housing costs. Again, I can't thank you guys enough for your generosity. And while I hope we never have to return the favor, rest assured that we will if the time comes. Blessings on you guys and your church, and thank you for being the hands and feet of Christ, even to those who are outside your community. Please let me know if I can ever do anything for you guys in Christ, Cooper Taylor Community Life Church. Thank you, Marine Creek, for, for being so faithful with that. So, um, uh, when we launched the church, we launched the church wanting to be a blessing to the, the community and the world around us and not ever having a sense of entitlement because we're a church. Uh, but being the hands and feet of Christ. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for being faithful with uh, uh, God's money, honestly. He trusts us with it, and we give him back a portion. I'm grateful for that, and uh, we pray that we sow that and be the best stewards we can be uh, with that. Also, um, we've got uh, Tommy here this morning, but one of our very own Nathan Vaith is uh, deployed and serving overseas in Afghanistan. And uh, uh, he's missing some some home. He's missing Tommy and, and, and Kayla, actually. But um, uh, he's missing some of the things that, that we take for granted every day. And uh, so we are putting together, uh, uh, I, I'm hoping to do the world's largest care package, honestly. Um, but on your worship guide is a list of things that if you're at the store this week, you don't have to buy everything in there. Uh, but if you think about it, if you'll pick up some of those, 
uh, bring them in over the next two weeks. We're going to collect those, and I'm sure we can get together and have some fun times packing all that stuff up and send it over. Tommy also said, if you have any magazines that, guys, that you've gone through, any hunting magazines, truck, fishing, think on things that are holy magazines, okay? <laughs> we'll say that. Um, but you can put those in there. But, but uh, we've enlisted uh, Creek Youth is helping with this. Creek Kids is helping with this. And I want all of us as a church community uh, to let Nathan know uh, that he has a family here that is loving him. Here's what I'd love for you to do. If you'll pick up some encouragement and prayer cards for him in his squad, put those in there. It's good. Those guys need to hear that we love you, we're praying for you, and we support you. I don't care where you stand politically on the war, but we've got men and women that are standing on the front lines that are defending our right to gather here today and share freely and openly the word of God. And I'm going to support those men and women. And so I want us to do the same thing. This isn't a political discussion, um, but we've, we're going to support those who are, are on the front lines for us. Um, also, you know, we have people on the front lines here in the United States. We have several police officers in our church, and they are on the front lines every day. And we support you. We thank you. Thank you for defending our right uh, to be in this room. And so uh, we don't take that lightly. Okay, now on to the yelling and screaming and the message. You guys ready? Um, <laughs> Thanks for letting me get out of the way, that out of the way. I love our family time, and, and I just want us as a church to celebrate what God's doing in our church. Too many times we go along and go, well, I see the creek growing, but is God doing anything? Um, yeah, he is, and it's awesome, and I'm loving it, and I'm having a great time being a part of our church family and community. So go to Genesis chapter 1. Yeah, uh, Mike, would you help my lovely uh, wife carry that... Uh, uh, I, can't, I lost the name of it. I'm running out of words this morning. Um, easel. It's not very easel to remember that name. Thank you, Mr. Mike. Genesis chapter 1. We're going to get to Colossians chapter 3, but we've got to work our way there. Uh, and I want us to understand foundationally some things before we get to what Paul is saying to the Colossian church and really to us today. So Genesis chapter 1. We've been talking through Colossians for several months now, and we're at this pivotal point in the book of the applicational process. Paul is writing this book to the Colossian church to, to really uh, help some errors and some things that are going on in the church. He spends the first two chapters talking about who Jesus is and the gospel, what Jesus has done for us. Chapter 3, verse 1 starts with, if you've been raised with Christ, you'll set your mind on things above. There's some identifiers and different ways we will live our life as a result of a relationship with Jesus. And Paul is beginning to teach these. We talked through this pyramid of priorities. We worked it backwards in an effort to really highlight and show this fact. We have to be rooted in Christ. Um, when you look down this pyramid of priorities, work is the top there. It doesn't mean it's the top priority. So you have work at the top. You have kids under that. You have spouse under that. Today we're talking about marriage. And then you have your foundation, which is your relationship with God. Here's something to, to understand. All of those have to rest on that foundation with God. It's not a fight for time. It's a priority. It's a thought. It's a relational connection first to God. And then all of these things stem from that. You can have a healthy, happy, holy marriage 
when you're rooted in Christ. You can raise your kids in a healthy home and raise them to be uh, people that the men and young men and women that God has created them to be when their foundation is right. Your work has eternal significance and purpose when the foundation is right with Jesus. And so today we're talking about marriage. A couple ground rules. No elbowing during this service. Also, I don't know if you were fighting on your way to church um, and you're going to pick it up when you get out, but this does not need to cause more fight material. You need to let this settle a little bit, all right? And, uh, and, and we're going we're gonna to come off of this with a loving foundation. Remember, because God wants us to have holy marriages. And I'll tell you, this, the enemy's going to do whatever he can to attack it. He's going to drop little ideas of, of how this whole thing is, is a lie, how this is never going to work, how there's too much damage in your relationship to fix this. Or you may, he might just tune you out now when I said marriage. Come back in. If you're not married, this is important stuff to know. This is stuff that I really wish I would have known before I got married because I probably would have saved myself, my wife, and my family a whole lot of junk. And so take some, if you're not married, take some notes this morning. Uh, I'm, <laughs> this is going to be good. If you are married, you take some notes this morning. And, and, and don't fight about this on the way home, but engage in some conversation. So uh, Genesis chapter 1, let me ask you this. Last week we asked, why do we have kids? The week before, why do we work? Today's question, why do we get married? Driven. Driven to marriage. I told you I don't have spell check on this board. Companionship. And I don't have good penmanship or spelling ability. So, all right. Driven to, huh? Yes, ma'am. Not, not, wait. Yeah. (laughs) Oops, sex, or sex, oops, marriage. Hey, this is a major motivating factor. I mean, I was at a conference and the guy got married when he was 38. He was talking about it. He's like, I just figured God was playing a mean joke on me. He's like, I was saving, you know, saving myself for marriage. He's like, okay, God, it's not funny anymore. (laughs) He said, his wedding night. He said, I told my wife, he said, you don't need a dress. You need something in Velcro. You need those basketball pants. You can just. I know how the brother feels, man. I, he, hey, we never mind. I will get in trouble if I tell that story. All right, sex, that's a major motivating factor in getting marriage. In married. Anything else? Or have I just lost you? What? Partnership. Finance. Finance. We'll just put money. Arrangement. Yeah. Oh, we watched the freakiest show the other night. Let's just say arranged. Arranges. Or love. Let's put love in caps. Best friend. Oh. Wait, green green card. You guys. Nothing better to do that. Tax deduction. Shotgun. Okay. Hey, that makes it a hobby. Let's say this is hobby. Tradition, yeah, that kind of goes into a range, but yeah, tradition. <laughs> Lost a wager? <laughs> Vegas. Vegas. 
Expectation, that's right. You're supposed to get married. <laughs> One of our... What? Legacy. Okay. All of these, well, some of these, probably not the right reasons to get married, but, but we get married for different, different reasons. Um, what I want to focus back in today is really why we get married, married and, and how to have that marriage on the foundation of God. I think one of the, the, the main things, the main reasons for marriage is it's a beautiful picture, an image for us in the world to see how God's relationship is with us. I mean, we are the church. When we have put our faith and, and profess our faith and hope in Christ, we're the church. We're the bride of Christ, and he is the, the groom. And, and it, there's a lot of wedding language that Jesus uses with the disciples, and one day he will come back, and that marriage will happen, and the wedding feast of the Lamb. And, and, and I think this is a beautiful earthly picture of our relationship. And, and I want us to understand some things about marriage because I don't think I, I'm the only one that I would say marriage is hard. Marriage is very difficult. And so I want us to first set some basis for why it's so hard. And then let's get into what Paul's teaching because I think if we go into Paul's teaching without having the foundation correct, we're going to think this is very sexist. We're going to think this is very backwards. We're going to think this is very one-sided. And so we've got to understand what was going on for Paul to have to create the, or to write this letter. So Genesis chapter 1. This is, this, Genesis chapter 1 is going to be the probably 50,000 foot view of creation of man. But there's an important uh, thing and then we're going to Genesis 2, then Genesis 3. And yeah, do the math. We'll get to Colossians 3 some point today. Uh, Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to start here in uh, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground. Everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food and it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Uh, the interesting thing is, is this is the 50,000-foot level of creation of man. God created male and female. He said, let us make them, let us make man in our image. And then he made male and female. And he gives responsibility to them. He says, not, not just Adam, not just, not just man, not just woman, but to them. He, he's very inclusive in this language. Let's get into the dirt view of this. Go to Genesis chapter 2, and I'm going to start in verse 15. We looked at the 50,000 foot view. Let's get into the dirt. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. 
The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Let me point something out. It was God who said, it's not good for man to be alone. Adam didn't say, hey, God, what about me? God said, it is not good for man to be alone. And he created a suitable helper for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. He had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. That's where God is instituting marriage. The man and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. I love that verse. I think I'm going to put that on our mirror. Um, I was reading one commentator this week, and he wrote, Eve was not taken out of Adam's head to top him, neither out of his feet to be trampled by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected by him, and near his heart to be loved by him. And all the ladies said, Um The interesting thing, God gave Adam one woman. He didn't give him buddies. He didn't give him multiple women. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. And he gave one man, Adam, one woman. And he instituted marriage. And that's where it started. And there's something that God is is putting in in place here. It says in chapter 1 that he put them in charge. This is a very complementarian relationship. I don't know how we've been able to abuse the Bible to, to create a, a situation where we feel like we can oppress women and beat women down. I'm just saying when you read Scripture, when you read truth, there's an equality that goes on in this relationship. Yes, God did an order. He made Adam first. He made the man first to be the headship and, and the head of the marriage and the family. And then he made the woman. But we've used this to beat into submission. When you look at their relationship, God says, you are both significant and equally loved in my eyes. Now, I've given you distinct roles. The problem is, uh, through this, uh, we have, as men, we've tended to take it on as our role to rule over our wives with an iron scepter. Or some of them, uh, the, the other side is, we become so passive in our relationship that, that there's nothing, we, we don't lead anywhere. You know, we try to force our hand or we just say, oh, do what you want. I don't want to argue about it. I don't want to fight about it. Whatever. She does her thing, I do mine. And that's, I think that's equally as dangerous. And so let's go on. There was marriage before the fall. There was marriage before sin. There was work before sin. And marriage was fulfilled. It was holy. It, it was absolutely perfect. There was harmony between husband and wife and us and God. Are you tracking with that? And then something happened. Then Genesis chapter 3. This is where it all goes south. And it's the lie. What you've got to understand is before uh, the creation of the world, there was war in heaven. And, and there was an angel, Lucifer, who wanted God's job. I don't know if you've ever tried to go toe-to-toe with God, but you're going to lose. 
and Lucifer lost, and he was cast, to, cast out of heaven. Now, he enters the garden. He is at and approaches Eve about this tree. Remember, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he begins to lie to Eve. He said, you know, here's the thing. God said, don't eat of that. But here's the truth. God's trying to rob you. Because God knows when you eat that, you're going to be like him. And God's got a little complex where he doesn't want us to be equal with him. And so the lie is, you're big enough to take that. You can handle that. The lie is really this. I'm smarter than you, God. I can handle my marriage better than you. I can handle my money better than you. I can handle my family better than you. I can handle my fill in the blank. The lie that the enemy sneaks in and whispers in our ear is that you are smarter than God on this subject. And Eve buys into the lie. Now, don't pick on Eve only because Adam's standing there, passive. Adam didn't lead his family. He didn't lead his wife. Who did God call out for when he came into the garden? Adam. And us guys, man, we try to go, well, she picked the fruit. She ate it. She gave it to me. She made me eat it. And God's like, Adam, I'm coming for you, bud. You're the head. You're a complimentary relationship, but you're supposed to lead your wife. And you actively, or you passively stood by and saw her fall into temptation and did nothing to engage. And so you have the fall. You have brokenness. You have sin. You have everything, all of the harmony being destroyed. And this is what God says. Go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. He says this to the woman. To the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain, you will give birth to children. Ladies, is that true? Mm-hmm. I've been in the room. I, I, know, I know it hurts. It just looks like it hurts. Trust me. But I think God's grace is the epidural, by the way. Um, and all the God's children said amen? I'm just kidding. Okay. I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain, you will give birth to children. And here's a key. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. So what happens in the fall is this harmony is broken. And the lie that is bought into from is that this idea of submission is just trying to beat me to get me in line. That I don't have to submit to my husband because it's just that, that's just not right. And what happens as a result of this is uh, there begins to be a manipulation and a control because her desire is for her husband and he's ruling it over me. And so the, the shift that happens as a result of the fall is the harmony's broken and, and you have a system where no one wants to submit, but the woman is desperately trying to get the affection of her husband. And she's beginning to rebel in the system because of the lie. And then what happens is, is the man begins to, uh, instead of passively standing by, which is, I think is dangerous, well, you do what you do, I'll do what I do. But, but men in our society, and through, as a result of the fall, get too aggressive. And they begin to try to rule and, and really beat women into submission. Whether that's physically, emotionally, or spiritually, it's still wrong. And it begins to, to try to force submission back into the marriage when in holiness, when you have a holy union before sin, it's there, it exists. And because of the fall, that harmony is broken and her desire is for her husband and he rules over her. And then to the man, to Adam, 
verse 17, he says, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. What he's saying is, is, is God placed man in the garden and woman to help him. And he said, subdue the earth, rule the earth, cultivate the earth. What happens as a result of the fall is for the woman, her desires for the man, and he lords it over, he rules over her. And for the man, everything that we are called to cultivate is now at war against us. And it starts in our marriage, our family. If you think about it, it starts at home and works out from there. And it's hard. Everything is against us. Life is hard as a result of the fall. Marriage is hard as a result of the fall. And so you have a system that harmony once existed, sin broke, and now there is turmoil, there is war, there is a difficult situation to deal with. And we find ourselves today in marriages that are struggling, that are hurting, and we don't know what to do because we've bought into the lie that we can figure out a way other than God's holiness to have a healthy marriage. And so that takes us to Colossians chapter 3 because we've got to understand that there's a brokenness that exists before us that we are born into that we must understand how to get that foundation righted. In Colossians 1, it says, uh, Paul wrote that, that through the cross, Christ has reconciled all things to himself. I don't know where your marriage is at this morning, but but God does desire to reconcile that. I hope your marriage is at a place of, of, of blessing and that you're just like, man, this is maintenance, Matt, and I need to hear this for maintenance. But here's the reality. If you're not, if you're not going through a struggle in your marriage right now, enjoy it because it's coming. I heard one pastor say, You're either getting into trouble, you're in trouble, you're getting out of trouble and getting ready to get back into trouble. So I don't know where you're at in that cycle, but in, you know, if you're in the good, enjoy it, man. Encourage. Here's something that encouraged Heather and I last night. We went out on date night last night, and we're sitting on the patio, and we see this couple. They're probably in their 80s. And Heather and I aren't the most hip, you know, people, but we went to a restaurant that was, was kind of hip, and we love this place because it makes us feel more hip when we go. You know, I'm just, I'm just plain old guy, you know. But we notice this couple come in, and it's a Japanese place, sushi. And, you know, most people are like, sushi, I can't eat that. That's bait. But we love it in our household. And, and we see this couple come in, and he's helping her in her walker. And they're probably in their 80s, maybe. And they're sitting over in the corner of the patio having date night. And they're ordering some cool food. She orders this, like, tempered fish, whole fish, head, tail, everything. And she's picking at it with chopsticks. And he ordered this steak thing where it's thinly sliced steak over a hot rock. And he lays it on the rock and goes, and then he eats it. I was like, Heather, I figured they would have been at Luby's at 4 o'clock for date night. <laughs> and, and I'm not being disrespectful, but it, was, it blessed Heather and I so much to see this, this couple 
having date night and enjoying each other's presence and laughing together and having an experience around food. I think there's something central about food. They're having this experience, and it blessed me. It blessed Heather. And we loved it because we saw that, hey, there's an encouragement there. And I want your marriage to be encouraged today. And I want us to understand that, that the enemy is trying to lie to us in our marriages, in our relationships, about this idea of submission. Because we have made this into a word that, that has a very negative connotation. Because through the fall, we submit so we get our way. Or we want the other person to submit so we get our way. And that's not in harmony. That's not the harmony of this. I, I think one of the main things that men and women want out of their marriage is, is women want love and men want respect. And those play out in different ways in your home. And so let's, let's look and see what Paul says to the, the church in Colossae and for us. By the way, I think it's important that Paul includes marriages in this letter to the church because I think the church has a responsibility as a family to help, not get in and help screw things up even more, not get in and take sides, not decide who gets the church in the divorce, but to truly help. And there's great care, and it's a sensitive area, but I think it's why it's in here. And so Paul writes this in verse 18, chapter 3. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. He starts with the wives, not because he's, he's after getting the women in line, but here's the thing. Guys, it doesn't matter how great of a leader you are. If your wife isn't willing to follow you, you ain't going anywhere. You ain't going anywhere with her. And so he's saying, wives... Let me get your attention because I need you to be willing to submit to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. It's got to be holy, getting back to that harmony, but I'm getting ready to talk to the man. And then Paul's going to say, let's man up. And so he says, wives, submit to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. I think that submission is that respect. And before you guys start bowing up and go, she better respect me, brother, earn it. And so we want respect from our wives, but, but we can't go aggressive to try to get it. And we can't go passive and think it's just going to happen. And we, we've got to take an active role in leading our homes. And, and ladies, I, I know you'll probably take a lot more notes than guys. And I, your fill-ins on this part are minimal, but I'm sure you're taking a lot of notes. Guys, you've got a lot of fill-ins because if you're like me, if it, if it ain't no blank, I ain't writing it down. Um, so there's some notes for you guys to go back in. Uh, but, but that respect, in Ephesians 5, uh, Paul talks about this respect and this submission. And that's in your, your reading this week. But, but this idea means that we can have respectful conversations. There can be respect in the home. There should be. And, and you can confront respectfully. I know some of us guys, few of us tend to drop the ball a little bit. Um, but there's a way to confront that, that actually builds up, even when what you got to confront is the truth. Heather's beautiful at this. Heather encourages me with how she confronts me. And I know what's going on. I know, I know it's a shady tactic, but, but, um, but it, I, I would rather it be that way. You know, we'll just be driving or talking, and she'll go, Honey, um, 
let's talk about some of the decisions the girls are having to make and things coming up and maybe how we can help them filter some of that through Scripture. I mean, here's what I, here, here's what I deduce later. Matt, you're sucking as a dad, and I need you to engage here, buddy. But if she came out and said that, I'm going to be so threatened with the disrespect. But she encourages me and says, I need you to lock back in here. I know things are going great at the church, but your first ministry is the family. And she helps confront me very respectfully. I love that my wife respects me. When she says, honey, I love you, I think you're doing a great job, let me tell you, my heart, oh, uh, be like, mm, let's go take the world, bring it on. And she, she has a way to do that. Um, there should be friendship. Part of this respect, there should be friendship in marriage. I mean, a marriage is designed for passion and for heat, yes and amen, but it's also designed, Titus talks about a brotherly love that should exist in our marriage, that we should be friends, we should enjoy hanging out together. I'm not saying, ladies, go play paintball. You know, I, I'm not saying that, that all, all you wives got to go take up golf with your husband. Hey, I was on the golf course with a lot of you guys yesterday. Golf ain't none of your hobbies. <laughs> Not mine either. <laughs> but the, it means finding some common ground with each other, some hobbies. Guys, ladies, when was the last time you laughed with each other? I don't mean at each other. I provide a lot of stuff in my home for my family to laugh at, trust me. And I'll, la- I'll, you know, I'll be laughing with them as they laugh at me. But when was the last time you laughed with each other? Where you sat down and just, you know, just it was funny. And you had fun. And there was that, just that friendship and that shared experience. I mean, Heather is my best friend. And I love spending time with my best friend. I love finding new adventures with my best friend. I mean, guys, when you were young, you used to go play in the woods or go ride bikes. It wasn't just riding bikes on a street. There was an adventure involved with that. Take your wife on that adventure. Create some adventure. Be friends with each other. And then uh, the last one for the ladies is be, be careful what you say. I say this to the ladies because you're a lot smarter than us men. Um, your communication is way more advanced. But be careful what you say. But it's important that we really filter what we say to each other. I mean, we can, we can deeply wound with our words. So, so we need to be careful with that. Um, let's get to the men. Colossians 3.19, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Oh, this unpacks a lot. Let's unpack this idea of love, the love, because us guys have a, we, we, love just comes easy for us, you know. The, the fall didn't mess with our ability to love, no. We've got to be intentional about loving, and let's talk about this. We're going to love through sacrifice. Love your wives through sacrifice. Ephesians 5 says that you are willing to give your life up for your wife the way Christ gave himself up for the church. Paul says, am I talking about Jesus and the church or man and woman, husband and wife? Yes. And so we've got to understand that, men, we're called to die for our wives. I did a thing last year when I said, men, if you're willing to physically lay your life down for your wife, stand up. And, and a lot of them stood up by peer pressure, but they stood up. They're like, well, if he's going to die for his, I'll go with Bubba, you know? We're going to die for our wives. No. Here's the truth. 
you may never be put in a situation where you'll physically have to lay your life down for your wife. But every day, spiritually and emotionally, guys, we got to die to ourselves. We got to die to our selfish motives. We've got to die to our selfish desires. And we've got to lay ourselves on the altar of sacrifice for our wife. We love sacrificially. Let me caution you. You don't love to get a response. One of the things that is a pet peeve of mine is we think that we love to get a response. Well, if I engage in this behavior more, then she will engage in that behavior more. Let me get more specific. Guys, we got a sexual appetite that happens about every three days. 72 hours, scientifically. Now, I I don't know where they got that data because... I mean, I bet you could do a scientific thing. First thing in a man's mind after they have sex is, when are we going to have it again? But let's just, uh, so man's appetite, ready to go. So he comes home. Uh, Let's see, what response? Sex. I'm going to do the dishes. Honey, I did the dishes for you. And, and, And just everything may align where you did the dishes that night, and then you guys get to have intimacy. You guys have sex that night. And the guy's like, it works. You know, and you're going, guys, you think you figured women out. You're going to work the next day. Like, I learned the secret of sex. What? Dishes. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Then get in there and scrub those pots and pans. All right. Well, here's the thing. You may do that the next time, and it might work. But you might do it sometime, and it doesn't get the response that you were hoping. And then you've set yourself up for disappointment. Don't love to get a response. It's not a trade-off. Well, if I vacuum, then she will do this. Love sacrificially. Do those things because you're willing to sacrifice so she doesn't have to. So love sacrificially. Um, love by romancing her. You have a, we, men, we have a spiritual obligation to romance our wives. Now, we engage in this very well when we're in the courtship and dating phase before we put the ring on our finger. You're willing to hand your man card over to your best friend. You're like taking it out here. When a man loves a woman, here's my man card. Get back to that, man. Romance your wife. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. Um, Love and gentleness and humility. Men, we are called to love our wives in gentleness and humility. In regards to conflict, and I know there's conflict, gentleness and humility. In areas of sexuality, gentleness and humility. In areas of finance, gentleness and humility. Family, gentleness and humility. Engage the soul of your wife with gentleness and humility. Know the soul of your wife. And our responsibility is to care for her soul, her her emotional needs and her physical needs. Not always her physical wants the physical needs. And the way we care for that is gentleness and humility. The toughest, calloused hands have to become soft when we hold our wife's soul. And God calls us into that. And then he says, do not be harsh. Don't be aggressive in trying to get respect and gain respect. Be careful what you say to your wife. Encourage her. Love her. Pray for your wife. Man, here's a scary thought that that if you have something between you and your wife, it can hinder your prayers. That's a scary thought. 
We've got to take care of our wives. You may say, ladies, I can submit to that man. Yeah. And, and, and I pray that many of you in here have that man. And I know some of you don't. And here's what I would say. Continue to respect your husband. Because through that, let him see your beauty in the Lord. You're not the Holy Spirit for him. Let him see your beauty in the Lord and that may turn him. I've seen that firsthand. The effects of a praying wife who let her beauty be in the Lord and I saw him submit to God. Yes, it can happen. It is real. And you continue to love and engage. So, what do we do with all this? Let's get to the practical. These are, these are principles. And remember, Paul is talking the principles, so let's get, to the, let's get to the practicalities of this. So if we can't pick up the fight that we had on the way to church this morning, what are we going to talk about? Talk about what you can implement today to really engage in this. The first one is communicate. Communicate. And, and I don't mean just talk at each other. Too many times we think communications is people talking at each other. Communication is not just talk. It's talking, listening. And not talking and pretend you're listening while you're formulating what you're going to say next. Because, ladies, I know your tactics. I know you're smart like that. You're already three thoughts ahead of us. See, you women have these complex brains. And us men, think of it this way. You're, you, ladies, you're like a super highway. And we're a dirt path, all right? If you liken it to a railroad, ladies, you can think and communicate bullet train speed. Us guys, we're old school. We're the two guys pumping the cart, you know? And you're, one, you're getting frustrated at us, but you're, you're eight exits ahead of us. We're not even seeing the same signs you're seeing. And you're like, why can't you keep up? Because I can't. But guys, we've got to get better on being able to keep up. Ladies, help us slow down a little bit. And be careful you don't want to go, do not do. Then we're like, oh, they ain't no respect in that. Communicate, though. Talk to each other. Be willing to be truthful with each other. Speak the truth in love. Pray and read the Bible together. You want to do this with your kids. You also want to do this with your wife. Because here's the thing. Marriage is hard because of the fall, because of sin. And so what we've got to do is with our spouse, we've got to get back to the root of that sin. What's really going on? How do we deal with the sin in our marriage? I'm going to tell you, there's a, this is a sin. I, I may be scratching the surface of a very sensitive subject, but we've got to be willing to go with each other to get to the root of what's broken and get our marriage on a solid foundation. I have seen too many marriages destroyed over pornography. And men, it affects some women too, but men, I have seen it destroy marriages. It is an unhealthy addiction. And, and if you need help, we will get you help. But we've got to get you also to a point where you can sit down with your wife and say, honey, I, I need to be honest. I really struggle in this area. And I need help. And this is affecting everything. And it will affect everything. It, it, don't think that those roots don't go into everything in your, in your life. But ladies, here's what I want to encourage you to do. When your husband gets the courage 
and the humility to say, this is what I'm struggling with. Have grace and mercy on him. I know everything within you wants to smack him. I know that that, that, that hurts you. And that's a very hurtful thing. But let me, let me help you encourage him. Love him. Grace and mercy. And don't think, men, that you're alone. You, you, there's a multi-billion dollar industry coming at you. It doesn't excuse it, but we can help you with it. And that will destroy it. But be willing to read the Bible and pray together. Um, date each other. Date each other. Don't, you know, after you say I do doesn't mean you're done dating. Keep dating each other. You have a responsibility to romance your wife. Well, I don't know what to do to romance my wife. Let me tell you something. We live in a generation where you've got the greatest tool available. It's called Google. Okay? You go on there and you Google romantic dates. For some of y'all, cheap romantic dates, you know? Hey, you've got romance tools at your fingertips. Use them. Use them. Date each other. Plan it out. Man, just... Lay your man card aside if you're worried about that and call your wife and say, hey, I'd like to take you out Friday night. I'll pick you up at 7. Line up a babysitter. Maybe let the baby, maybe you pick them up at 7, sneak out the house with the kids at 6, go drop them off at the babysitter. You go get ready, get freshened up, and you come pick her up at 7. Take her on a date. Man, be romantic. The last thing, say, I love you. Say I love you a lot. The one thing that bothers me is when we think that phrase I love you is like, okay, goodbye. Okay, I love you. I love you, babe. All right, I'll see you later. Love you. Man, let engage with that. When you hang up the before you hang up the phone, all right, I'll see you later. I love you. Be intentional. When you leave the house in the morning, not I'll see you at five. No, I love you. When you're driving in the car and your kids are in the car and your spouse calls. At the end, say, I love you. I don't think people say, I love you enough. Say it. Over say it. And say, I love you. Oh, I forgot. I love you. And mean it. <laughs> mean it. Let it come from a heart full of love. These are just some practical things. I, I can't fix your marriage. Only God can. I will say this. If you need help, we will get you help. If you come and talk to me about your marriage, it's not going to be marriage counseling. I'm going to talk to you about where are you on the foundation here? Where's God working in your life? And is there sin we need to deal with? If you need help from an emotional level, we will get you connected with a counselor. Our marriages are too important and too vital. They are not disposable. And we will get you help. But all of these are are some steps for you to say, I'm willing to step forward to take some active roles in being the husband or being the wife that God has created you and called you to be, even with sin in our life. Because he has reconciled all things through the cross, even our marriages. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Oh, we thank you so much for the grace of the cross and the cross of Christ that gives us the ability to be reconciled to you. And Father, I, I just pray for anyone in this room who's, who maybe their, their life, maybe their relationship with you has not been reconciled through the cross. 
that, Father, that there's still that disconnect between us and you. And I pray right now you would, you would just speak courage into them and just help them to, to see you not as anything but, but Savior. And we call out to you and we say, God, my relationship with you is broken and I, I, I want it fixed. I want you to be Lord of my life. I need your power and your grace to overcome the sin of my life. I need you to be the foundational priority of my life. And Father, I just pray for the, the, the relationships in, in this room. I pray for all of the marriages in this room that, that they become a, a shining example of a holy marriage, a city on a hill. And Father, I pray that where there is brokenness in our marriages, you heal that. That, Father, there is grace in dealing with the sin that tangles us up and causes stress and strain in our marriage. Father, we thank you so much for for the love that we get to share with another person as a reflection of your love for us. And I pray that you help us. Father, whether, whether there are people in this room married or not, I pray you help us to be the men and women that you have called us to be and help us to realize that we are your bride and that you as the perfect groom never leave us or forsake us. You act in mercy. You love us. Yes, you discipline us, but you provide such a beautiful example for us to submit to in you. So, Father, we just ask that we can live in the relationships and the marriages in our life with that same beautiful submission. Forgive us of our selfishness. Forgive us of our pride. Father, we put our marriage on the solid foundation of a relationship with you. We love you so much. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.